Hello, and welcome to Masters of Divinity. Uh, I am sort of your moderator uh, tonight. Father Chuck is my name, and we have been gone for far, far too long. Um, too long. And, and as you hear, um, to uh, finally end our silence, we have in the virtual studio with us today, yeah. Mr. John Post is back. Thank you, John Post. Yes. Yes, I'm clapping for myself. I've never done that before. You should. You should, you should always clap um, for yourself. It's, it's good to be back, Chuck. It's good to be back. Uh, had to take a break since the government shut down. Um, yep. My new job as a congressman is uh, on hold at the moment. <laughs> um. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the actual reason, folks. Uh, JP won some very obscure special election, and uh, he had to step away from Masters Divinity um, for fear that um, you know, it, might, it might come across as a little too partisan and not good for his constituents. But now the government <laughs> shut down. He's got some time to be with us here at Masters Divinity. So welcome back, Congressman. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of that joke. Uh, <laughs> even, uh, but, you know, I have to admit, like, today you said you wanted to record and um, I was practicing uh, a Mitch McConnell impression because I wanted to do a, a Mitch McConnell impression for the for the podcast. Okay. Um, it's but it's it's just too difficult. And um, I have a I, I bit my tongue in my sleep last night, <laughs> <laughs> and so that made it even more difficult. So I'm so I, I start with a bad joke and describing. A better joke, um, but also involving too much detail about how I bit my tongue in my sleep last night. Anyway, that's how we're in, we are reintroducing ourselves back into the yes. podcast sphere. Yes, and uh, and we also have with us uh, 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 Deputy Matt. No, we're just kidding. We don't have Matt with us. <laughs> nope, um, not here. Not here. Um, um, but so I, I'm just going to get right into it, man. Um, rather than us playing catch up and doing this little dog and pony show thing, I. I had a topic, and this is kind of the thing. I've had a couple of topics I want to talk about, but um, we've we've just not been able to get together for a number of reasons. Actually, I take I take it back. I'm, before we get to the topic, I, let's let's do a little um, little background. I, I do want to acknowledge that um, part of one of the reasons why I couldn't do anything, and I know we've had a couple of fans who have reached out to know what what's going on with us. Um, both of them have reached out. It's, both it's of great. them. It's been great. Um, and that <laughs> that's. Uh, um, part of, part of the reason for me why I've been um, MIA is that over Christmas break and New Year's time period and, and even after, um, it turns out that my mother. I don't even know if you know this, JP. My mother. Um, it turns out she had a she had a three a three centimeter hole in her heart. Oh my gosh! No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so she, um, so, uh, past couple of weeks, um, I was taking her into the, into the doctor's office, um, for uh-huh. her to, um, have tests and stuff done. And, um, the really amazing thing is, is last Monday, um, so a week ago from when we're right now recording this episode, um, um, my mom went in for an operation where they, um, they stuck a, a tube about as, uh, maybe, maybe about the size of a coffee stirrer, mm-hmm. um, up through um, um, an artery in her leg, and they fed that up into her heart, and oh they went through the hole. They inflated a balloon, pulled pulled it pulled that um, pulled it back. That balloon released a plug that popped into the three centimeter the, the three centimeter hole in my mother's heart, and then they pulled it out, and that was all she wrote. Um, wow! And my mother went home the next day, um, which is 
Wait, you mean like her her home, not went home? Yeah, no, my my, my mother is listening to this podcast um, right now. I, I'm sure. Um, yeah, no, my mother is. Got some old time religion folks to listen to this podcast. That's I'm true. Sure. Okay, yeah, she did not go into her eternal reward or anything like that. She <laughs> she she went she went to, to she went to her home in in in, in Boynton Beach. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, glad to hear that. Yeah. So she's um. Um, um, so yeah, no, she's, 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 it's great. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. She, I mean, so on one hand, there was the possibility that she may have had to have open heart surgery and we were all Mm -hmm. really nervous about that and, uh, it did it. And I'm, I'm kind of blown away that we live in this time, uh, you know, it's, it's an age of miracles in a lot of ways, JP, where, you know, my mother had a hole in her heart and they were able to fix it by, by, by running a tube through a vein. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And she went home the next day. You know, my grandparents both had open heart surgery at least twice and they were in the hospital for weeks afterward. You know, this is an overnight thing. It was outpatient to fix a hole in a heart. That's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. I'm so glad she's okay. Thank you, man. So, uh, mama, if if you're listening uh, or whenever you're listening, um, we, we, we love you and we're glad that you are back. And now that we have uh, three listeners, so, um, <laughs> yes. Once again. Yeah. So um, I wanted to acknowledge that. Is there anything that you wanted to acknowledge in our hiatus, JP? Um, I Did liked you... the Last Jedi. Oh man, we should just do another episode about the Last Jedi. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I. You know, I've been in my absence. I don't know if any of you follow me on Twitter. I, I've had an uptick in followers lately. Uh, but it's mostly just been arguing about the last Jedi. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm really, I, you know, I've, I've, I've been doing some weird kind of soul searching, but now it's like soul searching more in terms of like movies kind of coming to terms with my relationship with movies and stuff, because I have this new position where I'm the director of programming at a film festival. And I have to like watch a bunch of movies and be like really discerning. And I, I started out this year with this New Year's resolution where every day I was going to watch a movie and write a review on, on Letterboxd. I got about 13 days in before I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and the reason why I did this, because I kind of realized my relationship with films w- was kind of slipping. And I was devoting more time to like binging 15 hours of a Netflix series as opposed to watching where I could have watched like four movies I've never seen in my life, you know, and kind of develop my taste. So in this sort of like more cinema awareness, appreciation cocoon I've been in, I've been kind of looking at movies from a different kind of point of view. And one thing I noticed about Star Wars that's really turned me off from the conversation of Star Wars is the fan community does not talk about Star Wars like they talk about other movies. Right. And and uh, they hold it to a particular standard that seems impossible yeah and um i don't want to be part of that conversation anymore (laughs) yeah because it's 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 people have their identities wrapped up in it yeah there's that and um it's like when they it's like if you don't fulfill a certain thing that you were expecting you don't feel special when it you don't it's not given to you and right get all entitled and i you know we 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 pump up fandom a lot on this podcast. Yeah. And when star Wars came out, I, I, I went back to like hating fandom. 
Yeah, it it, it, it was really ugly, and um, and we I mean, we did a whole episode. We kind of talked about some of this, and yeah. uh, I mean, it's 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 and the thing is, is Star Wars is actually. I mean, Last Jedi is an excellent movie. And, it's a great movie. I mean, and I, I can't remember if I mentioned this um, on the episode because I saw my, 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 I took my wife to go see it. So I, I saw it three times in theaters. And Kana, Kana loves Star Wars. And her, her description for the movie, I think, was apt. She said it was elegant. Totally. And yeah, that's great. But we live in a world right now that doesn't want elegance. Wow. Which I thought was really, really insightful from, on my wife's. It really is. And I, I agree, you know, and uh, I, I'm, I'm a huge Ryan Johnson fan. Brick is one of my all-time favorite films. I love The Brothers Bloom. I love Looper. Um, his episodes of Breaking Bad are brilliant. And, you know, I, and, and I don't want to – we're not going to talk too much about Last Jedi on this episode. But right. I do want to say something to anyone who's listening um, to consider if you're like a big Star Wars fan – and you're pissed off at Ryan Johnson or whatever, I want you to consider something that I've written some interviews with them that I thought were just like, oh my gosh, like this is what this is what we should be talking about, and nobody's talking about it because this is how you're supposed to talk about movies. People kept asking him about subverting expectations, you know, and and going against the grain of what you'd normally expect in Star Wars films. And they're asking him, like, you know, how did you approach that? How did you come up with that idea? How do you he's like, I wasn't trying to subvert expectations. I wasn't trying to, like, one-up anybody. I wasn't trying to reverse anything. I was just trying to tell a story with the most drama. He's like, what is, like, the one thing that, like, Ray doesn't want to hear? Not like, oh, well, they did this in this movie, so let's do the reverse of that. No, that's not how you approach it. That's not, that's not how any writer approaches anything. <laughs> right. Unless you're a hack. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you have to, like, if you just looked at them as movies— and Ryan Johnson, as an artist, as a filmmaker, that, that's just how it should be talked about. And I hate this whole, I don't know, the whole discourse around Last Jedi is just, it's not made me a happy camper well, when it comes to movies and stuff. And, well, then I'll take us away from that. And um, I want to, the topic I want to talk about today, and I'll, I'll, talk, I'll introduce it through a story, JP. Okay. Okay. Story time. Let's do it. Story time. I was, uh, I, it, was uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. I was maybe 14 years old. It was 1996. And it was, was, I guess it was summertime, while um, Woodstock 96 was going on. Nice. And I remember remember this because um, MTV had hyped it up a lot. And... Yeah, because that's when MTV, like, bought Woodstock, right? Like, it became their thing. yeah. Because that was that was you know there was there was Woodstock the original sixty nine and then they had Woodstock ninety six which was the the sort of bring it back kind of thing, yeah. And one of the famous performances from that happened on that Sunday afternoon. It was the band Bush was performing, and the um, in the midst of that a thunderstorm rolled through their performance, and. So they were getting rained out, but the people who had gathered to see the show couldn't go anywhere. And so Gavin Rosdale looked out. And for those who don't know Gavin Rosdale, he's the lead singer of the band Bush. Um, he looked out and he saw that the fans were still there. He said, well, if they're there, I'm there. And so he went out pouring rain with no cover over him, lightning in the, lightning in the sky. And he played solo Glycerin, uh, one of their songs, uh, probably their most famous song. And 
it is gone down in history as one of the most one of the most like just kind of beautiful um solemn moments in rock and roll history also also tense also <laughs> everyone tense. thought he's gonna everyone thought he's gonna die everyone thought he was gonna die <laughs> i remember him and he himself a later interview said that you know it would be a wonderful it would be a beautiful way to go um <laughs> yeah. so he himself was aware of it the whole time um and he played this and again i this was this was music history taking place and i was watching it and that's the thing is it's like most of us who saw it watched it on tv i watched it live i didn't watch it on recap i watched it live wow now i said earlier i remember this was a sunday afternoon and i i realized and i it was sunday afternoon and i know this for two reasons one um my mother was napping and I know my mother was napping because um, that's what my mother did after church on Sunday. She took a long nap. And what, while she took that nap, I would watch MTV <laughs> because I was not allowed to watch MTV mm-hmm. because I grew up in a, in a very, very conservative, Christian, uh, very, very conservative Baptist church that um, put a lot of pressure on her and other people to avoid the things of the world. And I will never forget in the, toward the end of that performance, hearing the sound of my mother's bedroom door open and her walking out and catching me on the couch, watching MTV and her exclamation, what are you doing? Oh my God. And that feeling of fear and having to deal with all of that. Um, and I, which I've talked to my mom about recently. So she, she, we, we talked about the story the other day in the car. Um, and I, I, this is a particular, uh, poignant moment and I'm, I'm going to go somewhere, but you wanted to say something. So what were you going to say? Um, uh, I was just going to say like, my heart is pounding as I'm listening to this. Cause like, I, uh, the, you the feeling is all too. The feeling is all too familiar. <laughs> right, it's all too familiar. What one hand on on the controller, the other your right eye watching. Yeah, whatever's on screen, the left eye watching the door. Like, yeah, I, right. You yeah. get it. This is why I want to talk about this, and this is why I'm telling the story. Because here's the thing, listeners. I'm I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm willing to bet that most of you listening to this podcast have not had this experience. I mean, maybe you have, and that's the audience we have. I guess we're still serving our audience, but most people in the world. Didn't who watched that did not have the experience that I had or a kind of similar experience that JP had because they did not grow up in that kind of context. And so what I'm what I want us to talk about tonight on this episode or today or whatever, however you're listening to this, whatever it's happening, is the ways in which for us, this is where we're gonna get a little personal, guys, um, and gals. Um but is how television meant something more to us and meant something different to us than it did for many of our peers. Because for many of our peers, television was just, it was entertainment. It was just a thing you did. You watched TV shows, you did your thing. But like for us, television was our window to the normal and real world. to what the culture was like outside of our little environment, a culture outside. And, you know, television, which has changed a lot. You know, we don't, it's hard to even call it television anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and that sense of these brief moments that we got to participate in something that was larger and, 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 and be part of sort of like for a minute, live normal, real lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I still live in man. You know, I, I, I've got, 
I watch MSNBC. Sometimes I got to change the channel. Mom comes and stuff in the room. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but no, you're 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 correct, and it, it's kind of interesting because you you didn't you didn't make the distinction between TV today and TV back then, and, and it really has changed a lot. And back then, TV was kind of like more of like a window into the outside world. It's not really like that now, but with the exception of like you know the 24-hour news cycle and like maybe Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess the big thing for me is that because we watch so much of our television, so many of us watch it on streaming, we watch it on demand. Yeah. It doesn't have that feeling of like the, I mean, and I'm not saying that we should go back to it or anything like that, because I, 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 I don't like the, I don't like, you know, commercials. Um, and, and, <laughs> and my life having to sort of, you know, revolve around TV that way. But being a teenager, you're not going to watch the TRL revival. That's <laughs> absolutely not. Um, that that TRL was uh, maybe is different for you, but for me, I felt like I was too old for TRL. Man, like no, I watched it religiously. <laughs> really? well, that's right. You were into B, you were into the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and stuff. I was not. I only watched it if like Blink One Eight Two ever showed up. I want to talk a little bit about TV. I want to talk about TV for 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 fundamentalist raised Christians. What for it meant the sheltered folk. For the sheltered folks, what it meant to us that what were like, like what stories do we have about like little rebellious things that we did and how we got away from TV? I think we find it kind of fun to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about the television, especially, you know, the cathode ray television, mm-hmm. the set up top box television um, that and what that represented for our generation and what, and particularly for us in our in our unique context, so I think it's a, I don't know, it's just it's a, it's a thing that it's a thing to talk about, and I'm and I'm just curious mm-hmm. about it. So like, so let me ask you, JP. Yeah, I told my story about about listening to Gavin Rosdale serenade me in the rain. Um, what what, what equivalent stories do you have? Oh gosh. <sighs> There's one just like it, and. Uh, for the longest time, it was on tape. <laughs> um, because I was a little kid, had to have been like 10 years old, and I really liked Michael Jackson. Nice. Big, big Michael Jackson fan. And, you know, at that time, he was kind of like, he had made like the big comeback, you know, with Black or White. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Remember the Time and... Um, I don't know. MTV would have these like days. I think I don't know if it was like his birthday or something where it's like all day just Michael Jackson music videos. And like that was like that was my day on MTV. And um um my my parents thought it would be a, a great idea to and it is a great idea for me at least uh to give my room cable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they didn't but they didn't give me a remote control. Um, so like, you know, I had to get up and like press the box, you know, to change channels. So there was no like hiding anything I was doing. If, and if I was hiding, I was taking a bold move. I'd have to stand in front of the TV with, with the finger on the controls. Right. Right. And, uh, so on this Michael Jackson day, they were showing Moonwalker. All right. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen Moonwalker. It's, oh, it's like the several, several times. It's the Michael Jackson musical movie and i think it's directed by joe dante was, was joe dante the director i believe or? so it, it is a profoundly strange movie yeah it stars joe pesci as like this weird cyberpunk villain yeah 
it's just it really is like a collection of music videos and it's 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 great actually it, it, it really a, is great it had a, it had a video game on the sega genesis yes that game is awesome <laughs> um those of you who are familiar with moonwalker are familiar with the best uh the best sequence in that film which is um smooth criminal mm-hmm. and you know I was young. I didn't really buy albums or anything. I, if I wanted to listen to music, I had to record it off this little recorder I had, and I'd hold it up to my TV, and I would just like tune into MTV and like listen, like riff for my favorite songs and just kind of like record it. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day, you know, uh, the Moonwalker was on. Smooth Criminals coming up. Had the tape recorder ready, pressed record, and just waited. And then like. I'm about, and this is this is a it's it's a long sequence. It's like a ten minute sequence. Like the mm-hmm. music video is this, this length of the song, but the sequence in the movie is like ten minutes long. It's a huge epic thing. Yeah, because it's got a part uh, like smashing the car and all that stuff. It, it, there's like there's like a whole, I don't know. It's it's just like it's it's big and epic. That that the smash of the car thing is black and white. Oh, that's black. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, um, and that was weird. <laughs> uh, and there, so I'm recording the song and then my mom comes in and just like you check what are you doing <laughs> you know i don't like him i'm like but mom i'm just recording it's a good song and i didn't realize i was still recording that's amazing <laughs> so like there is a whole tape of me being yelled at <laughs> somewhere out there for listening <laughs> to michael jackson <laughs> um so yeah so there's that i mean she, she i mean it's it's kind of i don't know would you allow a ten-year-old to listen to Michael Jackson? My back back in the nineties. My mother let me listen to Michael Jackson. Okay, so then, all right, yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. Well, I don't know if like I, I don't know if there's people out there going like, yeah, JP, you, you deserve that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I did. I, I I think Smooth Criminal is a cool song. I don't think there's anything wrong with you listening to that one, but whatever. Well, and you know, Moon uh, Moonwalker is a very kid friendly movie, so you know. When I when I was uh, when, the funny thing about it with my my environment with my mom and everything was like my my church was like very was often very like strict about like you know only listen to Christian music, and even then oh, yeah. some Christian music is a little like Amy Grant's a little too sensual, man. You gotta like you gotta you gotta. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, wow. I, that's yeah. Funny. Um, I watched a, I watched a video from, um, Pensacola Christian college once that was, um, um, for the listeners who don't know, Pensacola, Pensacola Christian college was this notorious, um, notorious, overly, uh, fundamentalist, um, school. I don't think it's still around. Is it? I know Clearwater's gone. I can't remember if Pensacola's still around, but, um, anyway, they, uh, they 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 did a video uh, thing about music and the devil in music, and they played um, a clip from Madonna and a clip from Amy Grant after one after each other, and they're like, "See, the, they're the same. Um, they're all sexual with their vocals. That's the thing. That oh Amy gosh. Grant was too sexual, which is hilarious. But um, but they uh, um, but in but so my church was like a lot of people in my church were really big into that and they would you know they were so they were really like censor heavy on on that and saying you know if you want to keep your kids from being corrupted by the, the influences of the world and the devil then you need to you know not let them listen to certain music and everything but my mom my mom's ca- caveat was that like if she liked it it was okay so <laughs> like my mom like so I, I was always listening to like the beatles elvis you know my mom listened to michael jackson in the 80s like because you know she didn't start going to church until i was a little older pretty consistently like i was like four or five but i mean not like you know immediately upon being born like it was when i started going to school at the um, at the school that was attached to our church that that all started to change but she's still always like i mean we listen to like you know 80s you know 
music. And actually, we listened to um, our, our favorite station in Orlando was Mix 105.1, which was um, um, all the all the hits from the 70s, 80s, and today. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, so we would listen to that stuff a lot. And um, so, I mean, I grew up with some, like, I mean, so it was a lot of, you know, I heard a lot of adult contemporary, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, Tracy Chapman, um, you know, I, you know, I heard some things, um, Natalie Merchant, you know, stuff like that. But like, um, you know, so, so my mom, I know my mom kind of, I, I, she sort of gave, I think she sort of gave me a pass on VH1. <laughs> we all got a passage. <laughs> um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to get mad at your kid when like the only thing, when it's like James Taylor to- storytellers is on, you know. But pop pop up video. Oh, pop up video was amazing. That was that. Oh, let's take, let's take a moment to talk about pop up video because pop up <laughs> video was the one thing that parents like conservative like fundamentalist parents didn't know about, right? Because yeah. they would show movies that were our videos that were not typical of VH1. Yeah. So I mean, it's they, everything you saw on TRL would show up on pop-up video, right? Anyway, so that's that 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 cat's out of the bag. But uh, yeah, I um <laughs> um so that's that's a difference I think you and I had is that I was allowed a little bit of it. You yeah, know? I mean, I, I was allowed. I mean, my my mom. I mean, she she tells me a lot like how she feels like she really messed up by not being strict enough on what I was watching. Um, that's funny. because there there was some lenience because there was kind of a division in the household. My, my mom, she had her, her way. It would be like, just probably just TBN all day. Wow. <laughs> um, but you know, I have a dad and my dad likes his gangster movies and his crime thrillers and his horror movies and his sitcoms. And you know, right. It, it, it just, it, it, it would, it made it not as strict as, as most people I knew. Uh, probably a, a co-host who, who listened here today. <laughs> he, he could tell you some things. Yeah, I kind of. Um, I mean, I'm, a little, I'm a little. I'm a little sad that that he's not here to talk about it. Um, yeah, but, we gotta we gotta revisit this with him because. Yeah, and I mean, and, and the thing is, in talking about this, I, I I don't want it to just be like we're we're sort of making fun of our parents because you know. No, no, never. And I um I I've, my mom and I had this conversation. In fact, I was relaying to my mom the conversation about um. Gavin Rossdale playing Glycerin in the Rain um, a couple of weeks ago. And she goes, she's like, I really sheltered you, didn't I? <laughs> and, and I said, I mean, you know, to some degree, yeah, but I appreciate that it fostered in me discernment in my mm-hmm. taste, you know, because I had to defend why I liked what I liked. Right. Whereas most of my friends didn't. You know, they could just, their parents let them listen to whatever. And so they, you know, I would, and I would, I, I mean, I was, I was that guy, you know, I'd get snobbish and look down on my, on, on my peers because, you know, they, they listened to whatever was on the top 40 and just because it was popular, they listened to it. You know, even in high school, you know, I'm listening to like, you know, I ha- I mean, the, 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 the limits that I had was that I, uh, that I pretty much had to buy Christian rock music. And so that meant that I was listening to bands like, you know, like Starflyer 59 or, you know, if I wanted punk, it was like MXPX and stuff like that. Um, you know, I discovered a lot of really obscure stuff through that because it just sort of forced me to kind of find what I liked. And I, I you know, I since learned that, you know, so much of it was ripping off popular styles from, you know, mainstream styles, you know, just to make it marketable to Christians. But, and so once I found out like the real stuff, it was like, oh, okay, they, they were doing this better. But, um, but it made me discerning. And so I said to my mom, you know, it's like, you know, my friends just sort of, they watch whatever was on TV, they listen to whatever's on the radio. And, you know, I, I didn't, I, you know, I, and like, you know, 
my mom watched TV land with me when I was a kid. So like, like <laughs> our evenings when I was a kid, when I was a kid, like the show that I like, like for, for, you know, for like a year or more that I like gravitated to really strong was the Mary Tyler Moore show. Because I watched that on reruns with my mom. And like, I remember like, you know, when the finale came, I cried because it was new to me and I had grown to love those characters. So, you know, I mean, it's like, I just didn't, I got exposed to a lot of stuff and it's, and it's made me a little more well-rounded, I think, because later on yeah. I was able to, you know, engage with the stuff that was sort of pop culture and, and that's cool too. Um, but I, so I do appreciate, so I told my mom that I said, and I said, I'll say it again here on the air. Like, I appreciate that the unintended consequence of it. Cause I know that she was under a tremendous amount of pressure and guilt from, from the church hierarchy to do certain things. Right. Um, and you know, she, and, and, and she came for the best of intentions. I mean, cause you know, they, these people told her that, you know, that if she didn't follow these rules that I was going to become like a drug addict, Satan worshiper or something. And instead I'm a priest. Um, <laughs> but it, um, but it did, it did turn, it did, it did foster, some good critical thinking around defending what it is I listened to and what right. I watched and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the, uh, you know, a lot of critics feel that the Hayes code era cinema, which is, you know, around the f like tail end of the forties and mostly the fifties and sixties when m films were like heavily, heavily, heavily censored. Um, a lot of great films flourished under that censorship. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will say, well, if it wasn't for the Hays Code uh, having so many limitations, like this, these great movies probably wouldn't have existed. Um, right. So like there, there's, there's something to say about like, you know, some, some extent of limitation and stuff and, and, and kind of tying into that with my own experience, like my, my mom, you know, she knew I loved movies growing up and stuff, but she would also, she would always sort of urge me like, I wish you would watch these older films because, you know, they're cleaner <laughs> and they're, right. they're nicer, but they're also like, great. Like all your favorite people acknowledge these are great. They don't know why you're not watching them. It's like, you know, that's kind of why at a very early age, I started watching like black and white films that like weren't, you know, psycho or yeah. something. You know, I started watching, um, you know, Frank Capra films and John Houston and, um, John Ford Westerns and stuff. And, you know, her sort of influence and her sort of like wanting me to take it easy with, you know, violent stuff kind of helped with my, you know, education as a, as a, as a filmmaker and as, you know, someone works in the film industry. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's definitely a pro and it's, and it's not like we, you know, and, and you know, we're, we're talking about this, uh, how we were sheltered. It could have been so much worse. Oh, totally. Like we're not, we weren't raised in like compounds. Right. You know. I mean, like my church, <laughs> at my church, we had like two families, um, one of which is Dan Webster's family. Dan Webster is, I think, a congressman or something now in the state of Florida. Scary dude. Anyway, um, it's probably going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I probably shouldn't. <laughs> but he, yeah. um, he, uh, but the, the, we had these family, the, a couple of these families that, yeah, they had like a thousand children and they all dressed them alike and they all drove together in their like Ford expeditions. And, um, <laughs> and they, they, uh, um, and they would show up, um, and and my friends and I would kind of like they were definitely lower into the totem pole because they were like yeah. they they were even allowed to watch TV period, and you know I think the only music they've ever listened to was like classical. Um, yeah, and you know, and, and it's it's I have, I have a weird kind of timeline with this because I would say before I, I started going to Christian school, I was definitely like 
And I wish Matt was here because, you know, we went to the same school and right. ran with the same crowd and stuff. And he was there witnessing all this stuff when it happened. But uh, <laughs> I just remember, like, you know, my movie nights and my friends in Orlando were so different from my movie nights and my friends at, at Summit Christian in West Palm Beach. Like, you know, when I was in Orlando, movie night was Usual Suspects and Fight Club. And then, like, two years later, I'm going to this Christian school and movie night is, like, Alice in Wonderland <laughs> and, like, yeah i don't know some other disney movie i guess <laughs> and i remember the first time i hung out with our friends i i showed them uh fight club and silence of the lambs um we didn't get through fight club and a lot of people left halfway through it the only person that stayed was matt and that's how we became friends <laughs> there you go <laughs> we watched silence of the lambs together alone <laughs> nice yeah i so here's so to, to focus a little bit back on television yeah do you remember how on like nickelodeon um, they would. I was. I was allowed to watch Nickelodeon. I remember. I remember when I learned that Nickelodeon was a subsidiary of MTV. I would like okay. never let my mom know that because like, <laughs> if she found out, I probably would be allowed to watch Nickelodeon. But, um, but if you remember, like on Nickelodeon, sometimes, particularly like during the sort of like th- like three to five o'clock block, um, after some of the shows or between the shows, they would have like these commercials for like. I don't know if they called them like Nick's Day Out or whatever they were, but it was like they show these videos of these kids and they go and like clean up playgrounds and like or they uh, go plant so. trees for like or Arbor Day. Yeah, the the, the you know, parts I, of the Nickelodeon that I ignored. Yeah, yeah, I th- <laughs> it's funny because I I was always fa- I was always fascinated by those because that that to me like when I when I when I talk about like television as a window to the world like that's actually the thing I think about weirdly. Um, because like I would watch kids my own age doing stuff that like I didn't do. Yeah. And you know, like I never planted a tree, like my church didn't care about trees. I don't think, I mean, it just, you know, it's indifferent about it or like, we're just going around picking up garbage. Yeah. Like we didn't go have like a day, like cleaned up like some public playground. Cause like we had our own playground and you know, so like, and so it, I would watch these and I would just sort of look at these kids and I would, I would kind of want to be a part of their world a little bit, hmm. you know, to yeah. like, I, it's weird. Like I, I wanted to be out, like, I don't know. I think part of it is I wanted to be a part of some group like that so that my school would be featured on MTV. I mean, I'm <laughs> featured on Nickelodeon. Cause I knew that like Nickelodeon was never going to come to uh, central Florida Christian Academy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, that's the, I mean, that's a special thing about television that I feel like, I mean, the internet and like YouTube and stuff offers that kind of to kids nowadays and, mm-hmm. and they've got their own version of it. And I don't want to say that ours was better or whatever, but it's a really special thing and it meant a lot to me. Yeah. And I think it meant a lot to you to be able to have that kind of window because otherwise like, yeah, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but otherwise we would have never known a world outside of, you know, that church influence or whatever. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and it's I'm kind of, I'm starting to learn, you know, like how, like at the time I didn't really know how it was affecting me. Uh, you know, hindsight, I can kind of see it. And I, I say this a lot when I talk about Buffy. Yes. Which is that, um, I watched Buffy in high school and at the time it was made for like, it was made for teenagers. And, Buffy was like very much not Christian, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was not, 
I, I should say it was not evangelical like at all. So like I was always kind of in conflict with it when I was watching it, but at the same time, there is like this comfort that like these things that we aren't allowed to talk about in school and in church, like these people are talking about it and it's making me feel not so long. Right. You know, I think maybe like when certain churches say, try to, you know, have their congregation not engage with um, secular media, like film, music, television, books, uh, because change your belief system or something. They're right. I mean, they're, they're mostly right. Like, I think when you engage with any kind of art, like your worldview is gonna, it might change. It's, it's probably going to change. Because I think that's sort of one of the kind of one of the points of art is to kind of give you someone else's perspective on something and yeah. So, but it's it's well, I think at the same time you should be open to that, you know. Well, right, and that's I mean, one of the verses from Scripture that I that I go back to, I can't remember what what book of the Bible it's in. Um, It's in the New Testament. It's one of Paul's writings, but it's that idea of of um, you know, it's where we get that phrase being in the world but not of the world. Uh, but it's the, the verse talks about, you know, being, um, being left unstained by the world. Actually, I think it's from J- gospel of John. Jesus says that, um, about being left unstained by the world. And I remember as a teenager reading that and being like, well, then that means that you have to risk getting dirty. Right. Um, you know, I, the weird illustration that came to me when I first read it, cause I ended up doing, leading a Bible study, um, about this passage. It was one of the first times I ever did anything like leading a church related thing. Um, I had these, uh, I had these pants are these shorts. They were golf shorts. My mother bought for me, um, duck head golf shorts. And they, um, they're the first, they're, they're the first pair of clothes that I, uh, first pair of cl- uh, pers- first article of clothing I ever encountered that had, had a, uh, hydrophobic, um, coating on it. So like you could wear it in the rain and the rain would just bead off of them and you wouldn't get they wouldn't get wet. They were water resistant. It blew my mind because I accidentally spilled like a glass of water on them. And like, I remember using that as an illustration for, um, for a Bible study. Cause it was like, it was like, this is what, this is what Jesus is talking about here is, you know, like you can be in the midst of something that makes you dirty, but it doesn't stick. And, you know, but so, so in order to be a proper disciple, you have to be willing to like engage with the world around you. You can't cut yourself off from it. You have to know how to navigate it, but you also have to navigate in such a way that like, you know, you, you know, to, to, to be left unstained by, but that means you kind of have to know a thing or two and be comfortable in what you believe. Cause that leads me to this other point, which is, I remember when um, I went to, when I was in college at Valencia community college, a place that JP and I both went to school for a little while. And uh, chances are we were in school there at the same time, but we didn't know <laughs> each other, mind. which blows both of our minds. Um, but I remember I took a class um, on Asian humanities um, be- because I'm that guy. And uh, <laughs> I'm the white guy who really likes Asian stuff. And, because he uh, didn't have Japanese humanities. Yeah, it was in there. <laughs> I saw Japan and I, there I was. Um, so I could read it while sitting under my cloud strife and Gundam wing oh, uh, wall God. scrolls. Oh, wall geez. scrolls. Okay. Oh, screen printed wall scrolls. Um, um, with my Zen rock garden and my nightstand. Anyway, so <laughs> I... Uh, I uh, yeah, dude, I've, I've never gone Cold. into the. You've never, you didn't know me in the depths of it, man. Cultural um, appropriation. Uh, yeah, 
uh, <laughs> with my with my bowling shirts that had like like dragons on them. Um, Chuck the weeb. Yeah, dude, weeaboo. Anyway, so um, so anyway, so I took this class and I remember I don't know what I thought Asian humanities was. I thought it was like history. I didn't realize that humanities meant reading religious stuff. So yeah. I'm sitting here looking at the course syllabus and I'm realizing the first day I'm going to have to read the Quran. I'm going to have, I'm going to read from the Quran. I have to read from the Bhagavad Gita. I'm going to have to read from, um, um, the Tao Te Ching. I'm going to have to read, oh you know, all this stuff. And I remember like feeling that impulse. Like I've got a bolt. I can't be in this oh because boy. you know, this again, like you said, this may corrupt me. This may get into me. I may lose my faith as a Christian. You may start having empathy for other cultures or something. Oh no! No, it wasn't even that. It was. It was. It was the th- the thought that somehow, like you know, Satan was going to capitalize on this, and then I was going to come out being like you know, like a like a like a saffron robe wearing Buddhist by the end of it or something. I don't know. Like, right. yeah, yeah. And and I remember having this suddenly. It was like you know that still small voice um, you hear about in scripture. I had this moment where I realized it's like I heard God kind of being like, listen, you're stupid. You know, if I'm if I'm true, like you say that I am and and, and you're and you really believe in me, then I'm bigger than your questions. I'm bigger than those challenges. And there's even a possibility, a chance that you may find out things about me from this that you didn't know. And so I remember, like, I'm going to stay in the class. And it was one of the best classes I took in college, um, not least of which because I was a weeaboo, um, was that I, I came away from that being strengthened in my faith as a Christian because I realized from it how Asian Christianity actually is. Because shocker is a religion born in Asia. It's not born in Europe. Um, right. And, um, you know, it's a Middle Eastern religion. And I came away from that experience, you know, even though I, I was now more versed in Islam and, and than I ever in, wanted to be um, at the time. It, uh, but I came away being a uh, being a stronger Christian, and that's when I realized that, like, through all of that, that that's really the thing that I my that my my upbringing had tried to prevent from prevent in me mm-hmm. is that it seemed that it was. It was well. It was. It wasn't like intentional. It was like somebody had like lifted up the veil, and they're like, "Oh, we got to keep them stupid so that we can control them." Like, I'm not trying to say that. I just think that it was, it was born out of this really bizarre ignorance and this like sense of like ignorance for ignorance's sake, and you know, like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to trouble your pretty little mind too much with these kinds of questions right. and issues. It's needless to ask them, but. But then, like, how are you an effective witness if you don't know how to engage with this stuff? It was just, it was just, it's just a weird, weird cycle. But that all is my way of saying that I agree with you that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was very important for Christians to watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think any of those teen shows were probably really beneficial to teenagers and especially teenagers who had to sneak a peek, you know? Yeah, dude. Um, I think even Saved by the Bell, even though. <laughs> There's this uh, funnier die series called Zach Morris's Trash. Have you ever heard of that? No. Um, basically, it just kind of outlines like how horrible a person Zach Morris was. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I want to go back and watch it. Um, but you know, and actually, the, one of the producers of Saved by the Bell came to PBA to talk to us once, and um, that's one of the things he, he pointed out to us is that like the biggest pride of that show is that 
he would get fan mail from teenagers saying like, it's not that you make me laugh or that, you know, I have something to do or kill time. It's that you make me feel like I'm not alone. Yeah. And I feel, I think that Buffy is that way too. The comic books I read, even watching TRL, for God's sakes. Right. Because you saw other teenagers your age in the audience, you know, yeah, screaming it, it, and freaking out about sync like you were too. Because like, you know, when you, and that, in that culture we came up in, Chuck, like it, it it's so, it's not, and it's not just evangelical culture. I think just the West, I just think Western society just doesn't like teenagers. Even though, even though we prolong adolescence longer than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. And also the whole concept of a teenager is actually relatively new. Right. At least what, what teenagers are today. Like teenagers used to be little adults. Right. Now they're like a weird transition phase that like people just don't know how to handle, <laughs> you know? And uh, so, you know, when a TV show or a, or a band or a comic book or a movie connects with what can connect with it, that's powerful. I, I should give props to some youth pastors out there, especially some that I came up with saying like, yeah, I'll, I'll shoulder that burden. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, my, my youth pastor who I was super close to growing up, um, I mean, he, you know, yeah, I mean, take, a, you know, 100 plus kids and do lock-ins and stuff with us and like <clears throat> engage in this, like, I mean, just the melodrama of being a teenager. Yeah. And, and then also, yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of saying, like, I just feel like there were a lot of things that, and I'm, and I'm sure you probably shared too, a lot of feelings people told us to suppress. Oh, totally. You know, or to ignore or to say, that's not a feeling you're having. That's just like the devil whispering into your ear. And, you know, to have the show be like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm, I feel that way, too. <laughs> you know, and it, it drives me insane. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I'm oh, so I'm not actually evil by having these thoughts. I'm just a teenager. Well, and I think like, you know, who, as we're talking about this and that, and that sense that you're talking about of like the television being this tool that allowed us to feel like we weren't alone. Yeah. Um, I recently was reading a little bit and I want to watch the documentary about him that recently was done is, um, is, um, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Um, you know, Mr. Rogers kind of recognized oh, yeah. his, uh, his documentary is going on in Sundance right now. So yeah. I really want to see it when it, when it comes into a wider release, because I mean, Fred Rogers is a saint, right? And he, totally. I mean, he was a Presbyterian minister um, and he deeply loved children in like the healthiest possible way that you can be an adult man who deeply loves children that are not your own child. Right. And he, but he also recognized the tool that television played and he kind of came around around the same time that Sesame street was coming up and you know, he saw it as an educational piece, but he also saw a different level to television that Sesame Street didn't recognize. Sesame Street recognized it as like a as a as a purely educational thing. You know, Fred Rogers saw that too, but Fred Rogers also saw this as a community building, you know, deal. And I think he he was prescient enough to realize that, particularly in inner cities, um, families are broken and lots of kids were being sat in front of a television because it was a babysitter, right. and he wanted to capitalize on that fact. And make sure that these kids knew that they were special, that they were loved, that they were valued, and that they could do important things, and that they weren't alone. I mean, because, like, I mean, Fred Rogers dealt with, he dealt with the, the, I mean, I understand he dealt with the, the Robert Kennedy assassination. He did an episode dealing with, um, with the Challenger disaster. I mean, he, yeah. you know, he did. He even did a little, uh, little uh, segment after 9-11, too. 
Did he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, so he really wanted to, you know, he knew that children were watching and he wanted to be able to help, you know, children navigate their world and to know that they weren't alone and that it was okay to feel afraid or it was okay to feel happy about these things. It was okay to be hyper. It was okay to be all that, but, you know, compartmentalize and put it in its proper place. And like, you know, that. You know, they call uh, you know they call our generation JP the MTV generation, right? I mean, we were <laughs> yeah. we were the ones raised on this stuff, and you know, and 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 now we're also the generation that's criticizing the younger generation for having a phone in their face all the time. But um, and I do that while I have my phone in my face. Totally. That's how I'm telling them. <laughs> that's why I'm trying to stop being critical about it because I know that I do it too. I will say though, the difference is there is a difference, and I think it's that the phone and that whole situation is it's very insular. You're sort of hanging out with the people you already know. You're sort mm-hmm. of you know you're not really engaging with too many people outside of your normal sphere. I would say, yeah. you know, unless you're like active, like I know I think you've 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 sort of built some sort of friendships through like Reddit and things like that, right? Uh, yeah, through a, and through movie a blogs certain, and stuff. A, a certain movie blog, we have our own little group now outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, but was for us, it was, I mean, it's very individualistic. You and I, you know, you know, cause you know, we grew up, you know, I know you have older siblings, but you were pretty much raised like an only child. Right. So essentially. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea of the television being like this thing we had a relationship with, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that, you know, but to me, it just sort of captures that, you know, that sense of not being alone and that like wanting to feel normal. Um, I'll tell another story. You'll appreciate this story. And maybe this, okay. we should tell some more stories about crap that we watch on TV. But okay. it was, um, I'll never forget, um, summer is what I, I would often spend with my grandparents um, at their house in Apopka, Florida. Lived on this lake. And um, a lot of times, you know, when they were like, they would take a nap in the afternoon. My family likes to nap, by the way. I've realized that as I'm talking about it. <laughs> and a lot of stuff happens when they nap. Um, but um, they would take their nap, and so I would be inside. And <laughs> I used to spend hours laying on the floor of their den with the TV on. But the TV was on that TV guide station, the station mm-hmm. that told you what, you know, shows were on, which – yeah. Yeah, our millennial visitors probably don't know what this was. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a very it was, slowly scrolling. It was mostly blue with like a white or yellow text. Yellow usually meant movie, white meant yeah. television show, and it told you like for the next like five hours or whatever what was on TV. And it scrolled up very very slowly. And if you missed it, you just sit there for another twenty minutes and wait for it to come back <laughs> around. And uh, but I would sit there, JP, on the floor of their of their um, um, of their, de- their their den watching that channel because. Every so often, the trailer for Alien 3 would come on <laughs> because it was showing on, like, like Showtime or something. Right. And I desperately wanted to watch Alien movies, and I was not allowed to watch them. I became fascinated with the, with the creature, from the xenomorph from Alien. And so I would just sit there, and I would wait, and I would wait for that trailer to come on so that I could just catch that like, couple glimpses of right. Alien in the movie. Like that's the kind of stuff that like I just don't think too many kids know what that's like. No, I'm reflecting on it now. I'm just just sort of realizing like how sneaky I was, and I don't think I missed a thing. <laughs> I, don't yeah. I, I don't think I like I, I look back and see. And rem- I remember like how Adam, my, my mom, was trying to shield me from things, and there were times where like I'd be watching a movie, and she would just come in. And like, not say a word, but just like change the channel to Benny Hinn and then walk out. <laughs> uh, like you're watching, but, your, yeah, you're watching like um, Phantasm or whatever. And 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Probably, probably a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. Um, but yeah, like, I, you know, I, you'd think I was a Gen Xer with all the shows I watched. Like oh, I, yeah. I watched, <laughs> I watched, like, I, I think I probably saw every episode of Beavis and Butthead. Uh, oh yeah. Maybe every episode of Liquid Television on TV. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Do you remember Liquid Television? I do remember a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just Good my stuff. Uh, my uh, no. That was the thing. That was the other piece about my conversation when I had with my mom, and she was like, you know, she said I was sheltered, and I would, and I replied to her. I said, I said at this, you know, I said, you know, after I said all the stuff about you know discerning, and I said, but you know, at the same time, I, I managed to see it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and it makes me feel kind of bad. Like maybe I should have been more sheltered. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but you know, I, I think the only thing I didn't watch, and I think it's because it's like, I don't know, it just kind of tells you the dynamic of a family. At least when we were growing up, like mom and dad, if mom told you not to do something, you try to find a way to do it. If dad told you not to do something, you didn't do it. You know, I, um, I don't, I don't know that feeling, JP. Sorry, uh, <laughs> awkward turtling right now. Uh, for, I know. for viewers, for, for listeners who don't know, um, Father, Father Chuck has never met his dad. Um, I mean, yeah. hey, for all he knows, his dad could be listening to this episode. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, his uh, his 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 dad um, sort of bailed on his mom when she was pregnant. Um, so I, I like to uh, sorry. I, I like to I like to bring that up sometimes to make people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, but yeah, in a way I kind of, but I will say, I kind of do know what you're talking about because my kids, my little, my, my three and a half and two year old child, uh, children both try that crap now. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there was one thing I didn't watch was, was Ren and Stimpy. My dad hated Ren and Stimpy. Oh my gosh. I think he just walked in on me watching it one day and was like, what is this? And I think, and I don't think it was because, I mean, he says it's because it's like vulgar. I just think he thought it was dumb. <laughs> like, cause Ren and Stimpy. Like they were pretty stupid. Like it, I, I, I think the most comparable thing would, would be like SpongeBob. Yeah, I don't think I let my kids watch SpongeBob just because I don't want that annoying, stupid cartoon. But, but Ren and Stimpy, <laughs> there was a brilliance. There was a subversive brilliance to that cartoon. Yeah, I mean they had an animator in charge of just vomit. Yeah, like, and the music. Like I'll always associate that library music to <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. Oh yeah, but no, they... uh, like Powder Toast Man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. so like yeah, but I, man, I got away with a lot, <laughs> and I, I really do think it's. I really the only time I don't think I it's where things started to get more strict and why there was so much more of a struggle is because it didn't come into my later teens when I started going to a Christian school and started hanging out with friends whose parents were way more strict. And it was like, hey, guys, let's go see the horror movie. Um, we're not allowed to. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I was like I was like the bad seed all of a sudden. But like, not really. Just this, I just wanted to watch horror movies. I didn't want to, like, do drugs. Right. Like, you know, JP's a bad kid. He he watches PG-13 movies. Yeah. I mean, I think there was, you know, one of my best friends growing up was the pastor's kid. And I think that he probably hung around a lot because, you know. My, at some degree, my parents are a little more permissive than his parents might have been. I mean, they later they they lightened up a lot, but, um, but yeah, I, you know, I I totally sympathize with that, and it's uh, I, I I have fond memories, JP. I had an Emerson, I had an Emerson television. I'll never forget my Emerson. It was the first TV I ever got, and I had it for years. I had a little Emerson TV in my bedroom, 
And I remember when I was, I was probably like in third grade when I finally got a television in my bedroom and I felt like I was like an adult. And, um, I remember, I remember laying on the floor of my bedroom, um, with the volume down to like four (laughs) watching South Park. Yes. In the, Mm -hmm. the first couple seasons of South Park. And I, I, you know, I would have like my, I'd have the remote ready to go because, you know, <laughs> the, the best thing is, you know, you had those remotes that um, they had last, last is your best button. Oh, or if you double tap zero. <laughs> oh, I, I never did. I was, what I always did was my strategy was, is I would go to something like super innocent, like ABC <laughs> or whatever. I, and then I would I enter the number for, for, then I would enter the channel number for Comedy Central and watch it. And so that if my mom came by, I could hit last and she'd go, well, you know, I'm like, oh, just like home improvement or whatever the heck was on. Yeah, my uh, it's really fun. I never got caught, and so I never really had to do it. But like my my go to channel, my my escape channel, was always. I was never that creative, Chuck. I just it was just C span. That's funny, <laughs> and like I, it makes me think like it. What if like my mom or my parents just like kept walking in on me, and I always used to be like C span. Wow, our son really likes politics. He's really, <laughs> he's really into what's going on in Congress today. It's really really proud of. And you think about it in retrospect, how obvious could you be? Because no 14-year-old is watching C-SPAN. Especially back in the 90s. Right. Like, politics were not fashionable. No. I, uh, though, I mean, I, I woke up every single morning to Good Morning America. Um, yeah. that, that was my mom. It was, that's what I was, my mom would turn on the TV, and that's what got me up in the mornings. And I, to this day, I can't listen to the band NXS because... Um, um, new sensation um, was used for a SeaWorld commercial that seemed to always play right when I was waking up. So that was the first sound that I would hear in the morning for like, you know, for all four years. Am, like almost We've all talked about this. Yes, I know we have. And I, 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 I hate, I hate in, in excess's new sensations because of that. Like it, I have a Pavlovian reaction. If it ever comes on the radio that I, like, or, or uh, uh, even what I like about you, what I like about you and uh, zest for life by, uh, um, Iggy Pop, The Stooges. I don't know if I know that one. Oh, you probably recognize it. I, I probably probably probably, but... You probably would recognize it. You'd probably turn it off now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, those came on like, oh man. But I, um, um, but yeah, South Park. South Park was the the thing was. Uh, I'll tell you the moment when it changed. When South Park and everything changed was, um, I was watching it one night. In the living, my mom had gone to bed. I was so I was you know, my mom my mom is like a super sound sleeper. So when she would go to bed, like I could get away with watching stuff in the living room. And um, it was like season three or four of South Park, and it was the episode where um, Kenny decided to put his parka on upside down and backwards so that his butt would be um, <laughs> in, in the head hole, the face hole. So when he was taking yeah. his class picture, um, anyway, then they they wound up submitting it to um, a missing child like thing and anyway it turns out there's actual family members that have butts for faces and that episode i i don't know that i've ever laughed as hard at anything in my <laughs> life than when that episode first aired and my mother heard me laughing it woke her up and she came like, what is so funny i was like just watch <laughs> and she also was doubled over in laughter and from that point forward, she just didn't care about me watching South Park anymore. Yeah, that 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 yeah, that was the thing. I was having to control the laughter. I wanted to oh, laugh yeah. so hard while watching like Beavis and Butthead when I was a kid, but I couldn't. 
Oh my god! You have to like hold it until you get to school the next day, and yeah. like find another friend who'd watch it, and you guys could talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like I was such a bad son. <laughs> yeah. Totally disobeying my parents. But you know, it's but okay. again, but here's the thing. I guess the moral of all of this um, is that I think there's a difference. There's a difference between yeah, even though we saw it all and we did it all and we were you know we got away with you know we we. You know, we were disrespectful and rebellious and all that stuff. But I think there's a difference between the way that we consume that media than like our friends did and our peers did. And yeah. that and that it like I said, it because we had to do it in a sort of clandestine, secretive and discerning way, because, you know, it you know, you had to be able at some point, especially when you got to an age where you if you you know, you would have you knew that at some point if you had to get caught, you would have to explain yourself. And so because you knew you had to explain yourself and you knew it had to be better than like, I just wanted to watch it, you know, um, is that you actually engage with it on a much more deeper and critical level than most of our peers. You know, and I know that sounds like smug and elevated and I'm not trying to sound that way. And I don't mean it to be that way, but it's like, you know, yes, the impulse for us to want to do it is because everyone else was doing it. But yeah. I think the end result though, is we knew better why we were doing it than than anyone else did, you know, like, you know, you can talk, and that's one of the reasons why you can like wax poetic about Buffy the Vampire Slayer in a way that most people can't because, because for you, that show meant something that it didn't mean to probably most people watching it. That's very true. Um, they didn't value it like I did. Like <laughs> right, because for you most knew, kids, it's like I don't have, I don't have any homework. I'll watch that TV. For right. me, it's like I I must have Buffy. <laughs> well, right, and that like, and it was, and it was, and you knew that any moment, it could be taken away from you. Yeah, you know, because you could get like you get caught, and your parents or like you know the preacher could preach some sermon that directly relates to it, and suddenly like it's banned from your household because this guy said that it needed to be or something. Well, what what did eventually happen is it did become banned from the household, and it was you know mom and dad had to have the very strict talk with little JP. You cannot watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer in this house. So I watched Ted Matz. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> he would he would record an episode, and then I would go to his house on Saturday, and we'd watch it, <laughs> hang out. Yeah, that's that's. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that real quick. The uh, the the other secretive piece about all of this was like the use of technology. Like we were, you know, our generation and our shelter and these sheltered kids. Like this is the thing. It's like people look at the sheltered kids and be like, oh, how sad. No, nah, man, we were innovative, right? <laughs> like I learned how I learned like the you know the the, the intricacies of of uh, of uh, television remote programming so that I knew how to like get out of it if I <laughs> yeah. needed to. You know, Matt is over here recording VHS tapes. You yeah. know, and like and he, had, he had to be stuff too because he couldn't watch it either. Right, but he, in addition to not being allowed to watch it, Matt was recording <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you know, how many of us were like, you know, you know, like you said, you were t- you were using like your talk boy or whatever to record it on on off of the television so you could listen to yeah. it later, or like, you know, you would like distribute, you know, mixtapes with your friends or or whatever, uh-huh. or like. I mean, I remember one time when uh, my buddy Patrick lent me, not, not Patrick Bunstam um, of the podcast, but Patrick from the trailer park that I grew up with. He, um, he had Green Day's Dookie. And I may have talked about this in the episode we talked about Dookie. But he had Green yeah. Day's Dookie. And um, he let me borrow it for like a week. And I had it in my CD player. And I remember my mom being like, she could hear it kind of through the headphones. 
And she was like, what are you listening to? MXPX. I'm listening to MXPX. <laughs> and I thought that like yeah. keeping it in the MXPX case was going to be enough to thwart her. Um, yeah. She probably knew. But um, but that's the stuff, too. Like, man, like, you know, you, did, you know, we have we we probably have more in common with like people in China right now <laughs> or North Korea. <laughs> yeah. You know, probably we all should have just become Bible smugglers. That's what should have happened. <laughs> I've done it. Uh, that's right. You have. Uh, yeah, I, sm- I smuggled some Bibles into Syria. I don't know if you should um, say that on the air. Well, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's got to be a statute of limitations on this stuff, right? I don't know. Syria is not in good shape anyway, so I, don't, I think they've got bigger problems right That's now. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so. but, but anyway, well, I think that's about all the time we have. Yep. Um, this was fun. It was. It was good. It was good. Uh, any, any, any excuse to talk about Buffy? Really? You know, that's that's what we, that's 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 what I'm here for, because you know, I'll know that's the thing that I am just dying to talk about. I know it. I know. The funny thing is, I like that I have this reputation, by the way, in this podcast that I'm like some kind of like Buffy hater because like <laughs> I love that show as much as you guys did. You know, for the time period I watched it after after Angel left, I kind of lost interest because I got like a job and stuff. But like, um, I you know, but I kind of maintained I, I maintained a, an awareness of what was going on, you know, through Toy Fair magazine, Wizard magazine, stuff like that. So I was, you know, I was I was, I was keen on it. I remained keen on it. Um, yeah. And I caught up on it in reruns later in life. So I mean, the show means that show means meant to me meant a lot to me too. I mean, but it's I think it's different for you guys. You guys found like some like deep spiritual truths in it. Like I was more <laughs> like. I was more like I, I mean I was interested in the supernatural spiritual piece around like like I enjoyed the watcher the watchers council and like what they were into like that stuff intrigued me. Mm-hmm. Well, it just it, it 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 tapped into a whole bunch of different things that I was interested in at that age: horror movies, indie rock music, uh, kung fu films. Like, just, yeah, yeah. All right, well, all right, listeners, you've now learned a lot about us in the last few minutes. Um, thank you for listening. Please, please. Um, thank you, um, for being patient with us. And if you, and, and, and I hope that you've not abandoned us and that you are listening to this episode with great enthusiasm and relief that we're finally back. Um, and we hope to continue being here, um, as, as, as long as we can, um, you know, so, but it would help us if you liked and subscribed and shared and interacted and all of that stuff so that we can, you know, keep this, 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 this machine going because we really enjoy doing this and we enjoy you and like getting to know you all. And so, um, you know, share us. If you, if you were a sheltered child, share your stories with us. If, if you have a good, if you have a good story about how you, you managed to sneak, you know, watching MTV or something or, 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 a, got movie caught. or a movie or got caught, oh, the caught ones are the best. Um, feel free to share them in the comments or post them on our Facebook page and, um, and we will, we will, we will like them, maybe even give you the little laughy smiley face. Um, and, uh, and you can, and you can and finally, finally get that stuff off your chest and put it out in public. You might uh, even get a reaction gif. Oh, that's right. If you JP is JP's quick on it. I am. Um, so JP, anything uh, you want to tell the listeners about that you're up to? Um, I mean, do you want to talk about the Norman Film Festival at all yet? Yeah, uh, maybe I should. You know, if there are any young budding filmmakers out there 
uh, who want to make a film or who have a film under their belt and they're just looking for a place to send it to get some eyes on it, to have an audience. Uh, the Norman Film Festival is open for submissions just this past weekend. You can find us through our, through Film Freeway, and uh, or you can just go to our site, which is normanfilmfestival.com, and uh, just follow it there. It's going to be in September, and uh, I will watch your film, and I'll decide if it is worthy. That's right. JP personally has to watch every single screener. So if you want this, if you want John Post of Masters of Divinity to watch your movie, submit it. He has yep. to watch it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you get a lot of like suaded movies. Uh, I I hope I do. That makes it worth all, that makes it all worthwhile. The best are are the PowerPoint slideshows where people think, oh, this is a film, right? Animation. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, it hasn't happened to me this year, but it's happened before in other festivals. But yeah, it's like it worked for Al Gore. It'll work for me. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're not Al Gore. It's, it's a lot of eagles. <sighs> All right. Well, that's good. Um, and um, as always, you can, um, you can um, find me um, over at the Chapel of St. Andrew, chapelsta.org. Uh, I try to keep I'm, – I'm trying to be more active about blogging and doing videos and stuff, but um, I'm the, that's the church where I serve as a priest. And if you're ever in the Boca Raton area, we would love, 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 love to have you visit with us and, um, and, and all of that. So um, thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you uh, next – or you can hear us next week. I'm, I'm stuttering and stumbling over my words, and that's what I do because I'm trying to be like Jeff Goldblum. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, 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 good journey. Good journey.